Okay. Happy Wednesday. It's time to do another podcast for Ask Mom and Dad. And this is Greg, and I'm here with my beautiful bride. Tanya. Who doesn't feel... Yeah. <laughs> I figured you should say your own name because, you know. Well, I hope not, because if that's the case and I just said my beautiful bride, that means I got more than one, and I don't... Well, that's what I was trying we don't, to We don't lean that way. Um but, but that brings us to today's topic. Um, I, I want us to talk a little bit about the marriage thing. We, when we first did our pilot episode, 11 episodes. Today is episode 11. We are available on Stitcher and iTunes and who knows where else. We could just be available in the ether. What? Net. Somewhere out there in space, time, alternative universes. Sometimes marriage is an alternative reality. But we talked about, um, we talked about what it meant... I think we tried to start the topic of what it means to be married for um, a long period of time. And um, <laughs> and in the course of that conversation, we had a uh, deviation from the subject matter. And I think we just talked about everything rather than just staying focused to the goal. But that's kind of... Well, we had talked about getting married early, young, and how valuable that was. But I don't know if we went into how to stay married long. You know, I don't know how much we touched on it but it's a good question i think what, what well, the value is why why stay married why reject the notions of i want it my way divorce things that are going on these days and, well, yeah and i i think that's what i'd like us to just take for a few minutes and just kind of focus on what were the kind of the rules for success people ask me this all the time hmm. and anyone you have i mean i meet a lot of strangers because of driving people around and being you know the king of uber you're the king now. <laughs> I am the I am the king of Lyft and Uber in Seattle, um, for various reasons. You or you? I mean, you never mind. No, I, I didn't know that having a five star rating was a big deal. But apparently, people get in the car and go, "You have a five star rating," and I go, "Well, it's really cool. like a four point nine eight." Hey, you're making but, you A's know. now. I'm making A's. It only took thirty <laughs> years. So mean. <laughs> no, you got to find what you're good at. Yeah, I guess so. Driving people around. Driving people around. I mean, I've been driving you crazy for 31 years. Right. Two it's true. Years. Good. One years. 31 years, right? That's the first mistake. Remember how long you've been married, um, which is easy when you're early and kind of gets blurry. And just like your vision, how long have we been married? Uh, I wanted to just talk about specifically what are things. I know what I've told people. Um, and the first thing that I wanted to, well, what do they actually ask you? What's the key? How do you stay married so long? And, okay. and, um, and I, i give, I tell a few things. Um, I was going to say, what, what's your answer? <laughs> my answer is writing down one of my answers. My answer is, um, the first thing is, is it passion or is it purpose? Know why you're getting married. Um, so the question really? for me, yeah, well, that's what you the, one of the first them. things I tell them is um, make sure that you have friends who don't think that who are pro marriage. Yeah, don't don't hang out. I mean, this is sounds mean. Don't take. I started to say don't hang out with people who've been divorced. That's not true. I hang out with lots of people who've yeah, been divorced. Right. I, I'm. I mean, don't take counsel from people who have given up. Yeah. Now there are people in this world who have legitimately divorced the bible that even gives cause for that infidelity and those kinds of things but divorce is an incredibly terrible and painful reality that people 
figure out a way to justify or soften the blow because they think that the pain they're currently in and the difficulty in their marriage is more um, difficult than the is, is less palatable than what it would be to actually break the marriage up, and they stop considering that there would be there is collateral damage if there's yeah. children especially, and it doesn't matter how old they are. Um, the children um, we've got several children in our lives and some that we've you know that, that been really close to well and several just recently who have been 16 or 18 i think sam's 19 isn't he that have just recently gone through divorce and you can see how painful it it's is killing it does them. not yeah. matter what age they are well and actually we know about one who um was in her 30s and watched her parents go through divorce and how hard it was for her she's i mean less probably affected than some but it was really hard and she still finds it last we talked to her really difficult to think of her parents not being together anymore not having the same purposes not serving the same uh reasons or you know um i guess back to kind of purpose finding the same path i guess together it seems as if even in her uh, later age she's had a struggle to try to understand why they would choose because then it, it's kind of like We've known some people whose church is dissolved later on, and they question everything about their whole faith. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I mean, if that happens with a community you're tied into, and the community has a reason it breaks up, and that causes you just to question your value, how much more so a family? Yeah. That's the most intimate community you can have. So the idea that um, that, that falls apart is And this one we're talking about lost an older brother, too, so she... I feel like in all of that questions what value they had as young kids growing up in this same this particular home and this particular type of calling on their home. So I guess that's a good <laughs> a good um, maybe segue foundation for why I feel like we've stayed together because like you just said, I think the pain of what what would happen if we didn't to me, completely um, weighs heavier than what my petty little issues are right now. Even if they it's, feel yeah. huge to me, which they do sometimes, but that doesn't mean that, that that I cannot find in that either God's purpose to change me or somehow um, a shift in my own ability to see things so that so I can see that there's a bigger picture here, I guess what I'm trying to say. And the thing is, okay, so we talked on, we, we hit a few things, and I said, why get married? Then you asked me what people ask me, and I say, find a community to support you. And But what you're what we're talking about really is, when you get married, when I say, is it is it on passion or on purpose? And the answer is on purpose, and understand, and, well, the answer is yes, yes. obviously. <laughs> but, you know, because some, some well, people lead in with passion, but we ha we can't. You can't negate. Well, I was gonna say for me, I looked at you and passion weren't a problem. In the in the early days, I was like, "Ooh, look at that!" And um, and then you looked at me and you went, "Ooh, look at that!" Uh, uh, no, maybe I don't know how. You, <laughs> that's my day. Well, okay. <laughs> Emphasis mine. You know, good point here. So there's attraction, and there was definitely a, attraction, but for me, purpose came first, which is weird, but I think it's because of the way I'm wired god knew that that's what was going to have to be more stable for me than just an attraction but once the purpose was kind of there then he could build in me an attraction that kept that solidified it, it like put a full picture there 
I think some people are drawn in by passion first and they have to find a purpose. We're kind of struggling with one of ours, our older kids now who is trying to, I think that's kind of been her story. She's, she was drawn in by passion. She had to find a purpose, but then she's seen God build a purpose there that may be richer than she, she even sees on this end of it and is believing him for that, which is cool because she still sees the need for that. Right. But, um, I think for you, maybe it was the other way around. And for most men, it probably is a little bit more. Well, I was. There's an attraction, and then there's got to be. But there's got to be the other side of it. I was 20 years old, and it was summertime <laughs> when I met you. There's, you know, everything was ripe. You know, I, I, I mean, I was living on purpose. I was living for exactly. purpose. But you know, I wasn't. And I wasn't hunting a mate. A girlfriend well, so, was nice at that point, but you turned yeah. out to be both. Um, but well, not to begin with. What's funny is both of us are same way. So we went on this mission trip literally kind of setting our lives aside for to to be on purpose to be called and and sent you know for a mission for for us to share Jesus with a, a culture that we didn't know or that you know to be on partnership with others who were in the same frame of mind wanting to be servants to the uh, the church and the and the whatever what Jesus would give us to do so both of us had chosen that but in some ways, I think we had set aside our own selves in order to go on that. I know for me, literally made some sort of commitment at first that I wouldn't, um, that the summer wouldn't be about guys for me because it, it was kind of a temptation. I was, I was not, I was not aiming for purpose all the time in some of the guys, but the guys that I had dated were all around me. You know, they had the parameters or the, the callings that I wanted or the things that I knew I could share with for my lifetime. So that was still in my heart. But anyway, we both had set aside that and had gone, you know, on this mission trip. So then as we're there, it's funny how God puts things in your path. And I think neither one of us had considered that summer would be the summer we'd met, meet our mate for life. But that's kind of his humor, I think. Very humorous, actually. The you way were we ended stone up. cold clueless the whole time. I mean, <laughs> you did. I was like on mission once I knew that you were there. The mission changed. Let's just say that I went there on mission, and the mission added value. <laughs> I don't want to say it changed. It I still had to do what I needed to do, but I was. I do call add, add if I had to honestly say what I remember most about that summer. The stories that I've told have a lot more to do with pursuing you than anything other value. <laughs> And that's unfortunately plant true. A church, which also was the rest of your entire life. I did, life, man. I learned so to set up a life. parachute like anyone for a cover and a sunny day. Um, well, okay, so. The... So let me tell a little bit of that story. We I don't think we've talked about that, actually. I think that might be kind of We might have, but it doesn't matter. I think if we did, it was probably me that talked about it. So your mm -hmm. side of the story is probably worthwhile. Um, on the passion side, though, you know, so when I say passion, yes, you're going to have to, there's subtraction and. Um, but there has to be something. What I was going to get at before we jumped in that, I want you to tell the story. I'm sorry. It was um, we talked a second ago about the importance of realizing that you're not getting married is not just a you and me thing. Getting married is a you and me and how we impact the world thing. Yeah. That includes children. That includes um, the community where we live and function, the places we interact, no matter where we go. Our life has an impact, even if it's the simple thing of some of our relationships that we develop. And now that the people that you know, once they divorce, you're not sure how to relate to people who don't like each other or living separately anymore. And we've, mm -hmm. you know, it's and because it, it's not always hostile, but it's still awkward. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, there's, you can't live your life thinking, hey, if I break this relationship off, we need, I need to recognize there's, and I, have, I need to have an understanding that there's a responsibility to carry through with the commitment that I made, not to mention the vows on day one. Speaking of vows, how did you get to that point? We're going to talk about um, your side of the summer story. Well, it, I guess because my story kind of shows my personality a little bit, but also the way God works, I think, in our hearts. I had prayed desperately that I would not doubt those kind of big decisions because I'm just a doubter. I just, <laughs> I question everything and I look back and, you know, um, regret and whatever. And that was one of those decisions that I just begged God to not let me do that. Let let me not, because I knew ultimately these things we're talking about I'd be in the middle of a marriage and doubting every decision I made well that's not going to work because then obviously I think well God must be leading you know I must have misheard him so I'm gonna have to go down this road instead and then break up everything that's all going on that wouldn't work either that or sit in misery because I've quote failed him or messed up you know so I begged God to to lead me into that decision in visible ways or tangible ways and um so I remember Every day that summer, kind of almost a plague on my mind was waking up, having a quiet time, praying for my husband, which which at that point I wasn't even dating anyone, so it was super weird. And I remember You thinking, were dating someone, you just did not know it at the time. Because no, I was dating no, you. No, not yet. Because I don't even think, well, this was in the middle of somewhere where we may have met already, but we weren't really together. But what was funny was um, I've always had that in my sights as a younger girl growing up in a Christian home you're kind of told that you know pray for your spouse and pray for their purity maybe pray for yourself to be made for them or fashioned in the way God wants you to set up for that marriage no I don't know it sounds heavy and big and yet and yet I probably didn't do it very well but that summer nearly every quiet time I had was uh God would bring that back to mind, which just blows my mind still to think about that because I'm like, why? So I end, I did end up dating this other guy there, which blows my mind again because I had really decided not to. Yeah, I don't. But I lived in his home. He was a pastor's son. He was very nice looking. He, he was, was con- <laughs> he was convenient. No, he was convenient. No, you lived he was in his not pastor's like home. He was a sweet guy. I didn't I say he wasn't stopped. attractive. He was just convenient. Go ahead. Sorry. Good point. Um. So I remember that being a temptation, and it could be because it was kind of raw in my mind. All I could think was, why, God, why are you having me pray for these guys? And this guy was going to be going to my school the next year, and so there's things about him that were um, we had in common. Anyway, he was a couple years younger than me, though, so I didn't really think of it realistically. I just liked, liked his company. Um, but I remember thinking, God, what have you got this summer? Why am I thinking this way? And I really tried hard to set the idea of guys aside. I was 20, I guess, right? And I was, or almost 20. Yeah, I was 20. Um, and knew that, you know, I had thought somewhere in my early 20s I'd probably get married. So I guess it was on my mind. But anyway, I just feel like... God set my head that direction. So then there were things like I would pray specific things um, that God would let him have 
the attitude of Jesus, others, and yourself. That was an acrostic joy that I had heard somewhere or put in context, but it didn't really, I mean, I, I don't forgot about really that. know why and set that all. That was a specific prayer, though. I remember that being I remember weird that now. That set that I forgot about that mind. like I've forgotten most things. <laughs> so that was one of the odd things when I got to know you and how that first week that we met, I don't remember if you, if you remember, but you drew me and my partner aside and showed us that silly song by Wayne Watson, um, you know, 80s hip rocker. Well, he was 80s. <laughs> we'll stop at that point. After yeah. that, I'm pretty sure you're inaccurate in your description. <laughs> I don't even know where he is these days. Anyway, but the song was called Two Loves, and you wanted us to hear it, and you thought it was so cool, and it was basically... She can, uh, when she's given her first love away, she can love you like no one can. So I thought, oh, I love that. Me and my partner were just like, yeah, that's really true. So we were praying that that was true for us, you know, that we had given our first love away. And then that way, whoever found us would specifically, be, you know, finding a great Specifically treasure. to Jesus. <laughs> exactly. We're going to be clear that you're not looking to date two people at one time. Right. It was a specific First love to someone who knows what love is so that you Eternal might know. Eternal love, to, okay. Yeah, okay, good Eternal stuff. love. Go ahead. <laughs> but I, I do think there's something inherently true, and I think that's what God was showing you even, that the, the idea of, and for me, of literally falling in love with Jesus where it was, where it was a relationship that was as close or closer than even my, my own thoughts or my parents or my best friend or that kind of thing. It was so, uh, so much a part of me that you knew somehow. And, and I did that, that stabilizes a person. I think it gives them something that again, like you're saying, it's not just then about passion, but it's more about purpose that you live on purpose. So then, and you live having already understood and been fully, completely satisfied by a love. So then I didn't have to, search out these things that were going to fulfill me. And I've, t I've told this to a lot of women. Um, and when they're asking questions like, you know, how do you get your needs met or whatever, different things like that, you just have to keep, I have to keep saying that man cannot meet your needs. There's no way. I mean, he's going to try and there's going to be some definite physical things that can um, on this planet represent us closeness and an intimacy that no other relationship can but there is not going to be a whole need of, uh, you know, every, everything you need to be met in this man. He's still a man. He's still going to make mistakes, whatever. So I don't know that I knew that at that time, but I did know that my heart was full. It was full of Jesus. It was full, and I really <laughs> i have been accused of being able to, you know, be a nun or whatever. <laughs> the first Baptist nun, that was my senior prophecy. Whatever weird You're still the first Baptist nun. <laughs> and I would picture myself going on missions like David Brainerd, you know, who actually ended up getting married to Jonathan Edwards' daughter, didn't he? But until that I, day and after that, I think he really saw himself as just a single missionary. He was so young and he was out on his own and I uh, can't remember where, but really just in backwoods country by himself. Scary. Anyway, but I always pictured, I think I could do that. You know, I could be this Mother Teresa figure in India that just never does anything except love Jesus. I mean, you know, naive me. That's I'm what just I'm like content with the idea that I might have dethroned a nun. Just 
you know. I came into the room oh, and she's like going, nope, so I can't be a nun. I've got to have this man. And I'm completely fine with that. Well, I don't know. I had enough passion built up in me. I was going to need to have somebody <laughs> Things she probably. didn't really know at the time. I think yes, you do, Makai baby. Are, Makai keeps saying she's, you know, a little bent toward that. And I was like, yeah, but you've saved yourself this long. You probably could. But it's just that girl thing that you want to be... You want to be held. You want to be cared for. Um, you know, paid attention to and a little bit closer. Anyway, so praying that prayer, though, made it probably made it more alive in my mind. But I don't know why still. So when you and I started talking, we were preparing, which is super weird to me still, for the University of Joy that your uh, supervisor kind of oversaw, or at least he oversaw some of the entertainment and things that were going to go on that week i thought that was so interesting when he asked us to do a concert at that at that camp called university of joy j-o-y literally the acrostic so that the kids right. at that camp were learning the attitude of jesus others and yourself and i think it's fair to say that i understood then how to date you because rehearsals became very important to me at that point in time in our lives and we rehearsed every single night Okay. And just to so let you know irrelevant. that it was sincere because anyway. we haven't rehearsed for anything ever since that moment. <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> At least not point. that, that was frequently. Very yes, I was. I just want you to understand. I was. De- per- I was on purpose, baby. <laughs> well, Passionate I wasn't, purpose. And I was totally naive and whatever, or blind. I don't know what I was. Dumb, maybe. <laughs> you were but in the anyway. right position for me to pursue. <laughs> yeah, it was quite, uh, quite um, taken aback. But anyway, no. The other thing you told me eventually was that you had, uh, as, as a youth minister, had had a, a literal letterhead or something calling yourself Joy Ministries or something. Yeah. That was interesting. So super weird that when those things were revealed and brought to my mind, God showed me them. I was like, oh my goodness. That was almost Chillsville. I was like, have I really been praying for him this whole time? It was super weird because I didn't see you as somebody to pursue <laughs> But like I said, my mindset for that whole summer had not been to search after or even be really open to it wasn't a relationship. On your mind so that's why it blows my mind that that I kind of dated Scott just a little and then ended up with you. But because I really thought I really was just just naive, whatever the word is, enough to think that I was, you know, approaching life purely, whatever. I'm a sinner. What can I say? No. no. You married me. It was okay. Was it was a yeah. good thing. No, no. I'm just saying I just can't believe I was quite so blinded. But anyway, eventually when you kissed me and I went, what in the world's going on here? <laughs> it did take me aback, but then all of it kind of made sense. And eventually right. when I'm telling my parents, they're asking, who is this guy? And I'm like, well, these things God did, you know, and he built this all up. I realized then that God had answered my prayer, that he literally put in my hands some tangible things that I couldn't deny that seemed to be adding up to you. And I I think about that often because I think that when we're in the middle of a struggle, and we have quite a few, and we've talked about sometimes how our extreme different personalities and different upbringings, and oh my goodness, we have so many things that are quite the opposite the way we approach, even the way we see scripture at first was quite confusing to me because it was, seemed like it was quite, you know, so much the opposite. But so much of that time, God has given me that to fall back on, that that it was him that put us together. It was him that orchestrated this. 
And whether or not we're both, you know, perfectly aligned with his will or doing exactly as we should, that's obviously not going to always be the case. But there's a bigger purpose here. Like you said, it's a it's a bigger picture than we will ever see or know. And I, I think about that with our kids. You know, I think that God knew the kids that needed to come from this marriage. He knows the the circumstances we've been in and how each one of us might play a particular role or have an angle on it that the other one might not be able to speak into. We've, we've seen that in a couple different areas. Um, so I just think there's a bigger picture of what, than what we can see. And I'm thankful that he led that, you know, led me. But... You, you had another angle to that, and I think he led you as well. I think there are just so many more things going on, and so many people, like you said, cannot step back from what they're in the middle of right now and consider that there are other people involved. There's a bigger picture. Even as Christians, we say over and over how we're this tiny little piece, but God is doing a big work. He's doing a a lot of things that we can't see and we it's a privilege to be involved in that but anyway it's also true about you you've spent a lot of time talking about the whys the the this is the signs the things that you know we we understand that the, the marriage as an institution is you know is that it's a, the idea of an institution when you think about it it's a foundation it's something that's not to be changed you don't move and it's to, you don't move foundation things but you've talked about the why. Um, this is what comes to my mind as you talk about it, is that you, as a principle, I think, is don't forget why you're married or what. And that's what you're saying. I this was these were some things that were laid on my heart. These were some things that I needed to see. Um, these are some things that I think so oftentimes people are you know don't you know. It's, don't settle or whatever you didn't settle which is encouraging i am not i like the idea that i'm not someone you settled for i'm someone that fit the bill and well god knew i needed to be obedient to him not just choosing a guy or following my passion or even you know whatever might be driven driving today's young people like he makes enough money or he you know, does this or that, yeah, there are things, career goal or whatever. But my mother used to say, you can't live on love. Well, we've done it for 31 years. You know, there's, in other words, you, men, you mentioned money. Um, money is necessary for life, but if in, with or without it can create different kinds of strains. But the things that are important are that purpose thing, those those things that say, can you go through life together, difficult, difficulty or good or bad, you know, rich or poor, um, I don't there was know no I, way. What I'm trying to say is, there's no way for me to have known that. You can't have known that. So uh, let me refer to a pretty or a little tubby. Um, you know, because some of those things, while something that may look good on the surface, is there depth of character there? Is there something more there that's going on? And um, granted, I could, it would be nice if you had both. I'm just saying that you know, it's it's well, a thing. Well, it would be nice if you could guarantee any of that. I still don't even think you've got that. Even if you've got somebody who's you know, has walked in the faith forever, never made a mistake, never whatever, all these different things. Who would want to be married to, to a perfect me, person? I was being obedient to God, not marrying a man. And I think that's... That's fair. To me, what makes it different than maybe some of the people that I've been around or ones who have been tempted by or have gone through divorce, they've, they've made it very earthly, very, you know, uh, human. 
Yeah. And I don't believe that's why we're still married. You know, I, and I said something, and we need to wrap this up t- today, but I said something earlier, and I kind of want to hit it so I don't forget it, which was I, I mentioned, you know, about community, not taking advice from people who've given up. <laughs> um, I want to amend that a little bit. Don't take advice from people who've given up quickly or young. I, if, you've, if you've met someone, and... and Forgiveness is an aspect of marriage. We can touch on that and maybe pick this up next week or just talk a little bit more about it. But but um, I've met people who have had a failed marriage who are having a very successful second marriage. The odds are strongly against that statistically. But the, but the key thing that's happened there is they've come to realize the things we've already talked about, marriage for a purpose, that you understand there's responsibility and it makes a difference. And they have to deal with the carnage from that first experience but um, and maybe this is just a whole other topic I'm starting on. But it, to me, it's it's a big deal to realize that you can get advice from people that understand these principles that are hanging on to that and and saying, listen, you 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 um, people make mistakes, and if they recognize that and they're and they're adjusting their lives to a new way of seeing things, then that that wisdom and that advice begins to take root in who they are over time as well. So I don't want to discount people who have had a failing in their past. I want to be able to say, be around people who, be, what we said to begin with, be around people who believe in marriage and are unwilling to forgive, to um, to give up on marriage um, and are willing to fight for that. Uh, that may be something they didn't figure out their first go around, but they might their second. Um, but if someone's got a chronic issue and they're just dis- dismissing and making them, that's, a, that's the people I'm saying to avoid. And um, people who are just saying, well, marriage is, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can move on. That's, a, that's, a, that's an immature and childish attitude. And um, unfortunately, those are the people you and I have met the most when it comes to broken marriages. We see a lot of people who just kind of dismissed it. But I've thought of a few people in my mind who have, we've met along the way that have, have been good advisors moving forward because they learned that lesson the right way on the back end, but mainly because they met people that set them on the right path. I know, I'm sorry I, I was sidetracked on that, but it just started to nag at me that I didn't want to sound like I'm saying, if people have made mistakes in life, they don't have anything good to say. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm thinking no, that... No, you're thinking of the advice you have given to others, which I don't necessarily think has been true for us, like you said, because we've been in the ministry. We've had, to, we've had to lead people, but so we haven't had to surround ourselves, except for that a few early on that had similar personalities or opposite personalities that helped us just adjust to being married at all but we've had to lead but you've told our kids and you've told other young married surround yourself by people who feel who see marriage as a valuable uh entity and not not something to be taken lightly and yeah that's what i'm getting at lightly but yes there's many who've learned a lesson and have still believed that but had difficulties whatever reason from their first relationships yeah but i still think there's a there's a heavier thing here and maybe we can talk about it in the next podcast because we're gonna have to go get our son but um the heavier thing to me is that we're obedient i remember my sister talking about in the middle of a really hard struggle she had in her first marriage she wanted to be obedient so badly she was willing to literally lay her life down if that meant that she was in danger of losing it, that was okay with her. She wanted to be obedient to God. I think that's because that's what my parents instilled in us. We Obedience was the heavier thing rather than, even in that case, her own safety. But I think because of that, it's a, just, it's a 
The Bible calls it a rock. When you build your life on a rock, it's very hard for that rock to break underneath you. Whereas if you build your life on sand, no matter if you are marrying a great person, if your reason for marrying them is sh shaky and sandy, that's still, you know, you're the one that can fall apart. You're the one that can right. give up. So I think there's... Yeah. Your stability is important, too. You have to tend to yourself and your own things so that you can make a difference. You have to listen and, and be in relationship with God first and foremost yourself, or you're not going to yeah. provide another half of a stable relationship. Right. And that's what I was driving at a minute ago, too, and before I derailed the train for a second, is... Um, you know, remembering you, we, you just rehearsed all the right things, all the things that made it. You you can still remind yourself. Remember this. This is why we're married. And um, you know, I spaced out. I know. And what you and and what you just said a minute ago that I knew was related to that when I first started talking. And then by the time I started talking, I forgot what it was related to. But that's okay. That's part of being married to me. <laughs> okay, you'll think of it on the way. Yeah, I will. I'll phone it in okay. another time. Phone, text it in another time. Anyway, well, we're going to wrap it up for today because it's, like you said, we've got some parental responsibilities to go and deal with our abandoned children on the sides and corners and places around the world. Yeah, just um, school. Yeah, school. What a concept. <laughs> Look, let me be a little dramatic now and again. Anyway, love you so much. Thanks for sitting down with me and have another conversation around our lives and such. This is the best date night we've had in a week date date after yeah we're older date we have date afternoons as you get older <laughs> you're yeah uh, i love you you're pretty <laughs> well we're gonna hang this podcast up like a telephone anyway thanks for listening but if you if you if anyone out there listened thanks for taking the time we'll t we'll do this again next time bye-bye <laughs>